MPB Think Radio. This is Money Talks. I'm Jay White, along with Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. This morning, our topic is relationships and money. It's direly important to the success of a long-term relationship, but something people rarely discuss with others. Should you keep your money separate, share everything in one joint account, divide the money and debt into mine, yours, and ours. Also, when and how do you approach the topic with your significant other? 877-MPB-RING is the number. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio after the news from NPR. has arrested and charged a government intelligence contractor with leaking classified information to a news outlet. Britain's Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson says that President Trump's invitation to visit the United Kingdom should not be rescinded. There's been criticism of Trump after he criticized London's mayor following the most recent terror attack. Villa Marks has more. After London Mayor Sadiq Khan told the city's residents not to be alarmed by an increased police presence following Saturday night's attack, President Trump seemed to take the warning out of context and admonished Khan, a previous target of his tweeted criticism. This prompted an outpouring of British outrage with leaders from across the political spectrum, including Khan, suggesting that Trump's state visit be cancelled. This morning, Boris Johnson, Khan's predecessor as London mayor, told the BBC he sees no reason to rescind Prime Minister Theresa May's standing invitation to the US president. Soon after Trump's state visit was first announced, an online petition to downgrade it from a formal state visit attracted almost 2 million signatures. For NPR News, I'm Bill Marks in London. The U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, has warned the UN Human Rights Council that Washington might pull out of the body. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. Haley says the council must reform itself and eliminate what she calls its chronic anti-Israel bias. Haley accuses the council of a blatant double standard when it comes to Israel. For example, she notes the council has not adopted a single resolution against Venezuela, which is accused of human rights violations. And yet it adopted five biased resolutions in March against a single country, Israel. It is essential that this council address its chronic anti-Israel bias 
if it is to have any credibility. Haley says Venezuela should voluntarily give up its seat on the council if it can't get its house in order. She adds the Trump administration is carefully considering its own continued participation in the human rights body. For NPR News, I'm Lisa Schlein in Geneva. On Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 36 points at 21,147. The Nasdaq is down two points. You're listening to NPR. The Persian Gulf nation of Qatar says Kuwait is trying to mediate in a diplomatic rift between Qatar and six Arab nations. The nations have cut diplomatic ties with Qatar, alleging it supports Islamist militants and Iran, an allegation Qatari officials forcefully deny. The nations have also cut air and sea traffic. Qatar's ruler has put off an address to his country to allow the Kuwaiti mediation to advance. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is sending out a safety survey to its 62,000 young missionaries worldwide. From member station KUER in Salt Lake City, Lee Hale reports the survey aims to better understand potential dangers. Mormon missionaries are sent all over the world, and it's not uncommon for them to find themselves in harm's way. Last year, four missionaries were seriously injured during the bombing at the Brussels airport. And more recently, a missionary fended off an attempted mugging on a street in Brazil. The LDS Church says its survey will be confidential and will, quote, identify areas or circumstances where missionary safety may be at the greatest risk. Safety guidelines will be adjusted as needed. Missionaries are already instructed to exercise extreme caution. They typically don't proselytize past 9.30 p.m. and are always accompanied by at least one missionary companion. In recent years, the death rate for Mormon missionaries has been relatively low, with four deaths last year and six in 2015. For NPR News, I'm Lee Hale in Salt Lake City. In Game 4 of the NHL Stanley Cup Final, the Nashville Predators defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins last night 4-1 to in Nashville. The Predators have now evened their series with the Penguins at two apiece. Game 5 will return to Pittsburgh on Thursday. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Ozzy, a news source committed to covering rising stars, emerging trends, and unconventional ideas. This week, a series about who could succeed Vladimir Putin in Russia at ozy.com. Stay interesting. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I am Jay White in for Kevin Farrell today. I got to be Jason Klein last week, and uh, today I'm Kevin Farrell. So, I'm so being, where is Kevin? I, I imagine he is on some beach somewhere. Well, actually, a little bird said he might be in Atlanta watching baseball. That's right. He did tell me about that. I totally forgot. He was going to well, see SunTrust Park for the yeah, first time. Hopefully he's not getting rained out. Kevin is off living his best life right now so he sure is that's all we need to know that's right uh oh yeah and the weather oh my goodness Uh. stop raining sky for five seconds i mean it started for me i was on vacation for i don't know three or four days on the coast a couple of weeks ago and it poured the entire time i was down oh no and it it poured on the drive down and it poured on the drive back and i was like um, i think i brought the weather so green and lush around here (laughs) i was just at the farmer's market this last weekend and yeah uh, it was a 
an abundance of yeah, goodies. Particularly lush this yeah. morning. I, I love our Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I I I enjoy the. I always hear people complain and make excuses about our beaches. I still enjoy them though, but uh, wasn't really an opportunity to. But I feel like I brought the rain with me back up Highway 49 into the, so the did capital you gamble? city. Did you gamble? Just a little bit. Not a good investment. <laughs> no. No, well, it, for me, it's like I, I don't take it up above the penny slots because mm-hmm. I, there I, you I go. when you talk to people, they there's like a science and an art to it. <laughs> and I don't, no, no. Right. It's a numbers game, there's, right? There's a science and well, an art to it, and you're not on the right side. Right. I think maybe the art is just, you know, feeding that thing enough money until it finally pays you back. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I, I don't have... I don't have the patience for it. And then if I never win, I'm going to spend the next two weeks thinking about what I could have done with the money that I poured into a slot machine. That's a good it's, thing. It's entertainment. And as long as you know that, it's okay yeah. to spend a couple of See, dollars. That's the way I am you know? with um, sports, wagering. Oh. Like, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. For me, even if, as long as it's in moderate amounts, I mean, I'm not, you know, taking out a second mortgage on anything like that, but... As long as it's in moderate amounts, for me, I'm almost paying for the enjoyment of, of being able to watch the thing unfold I can see as that. much as it is it just ra- trying to double the, up money or something like the that. stakes, get, y'all, get you excited about yeah. it. It can make uninteresting games a little bit more interesting, but that's not what we're here about today. This morning, <laughs> it's about, well, it may be eventually, relationships and money. Direly important to a long-term relationship and its success, but something that's rarely discussed in public, something that's rarely discussed among mm. friends. It's, I mean, that is something that's typically very private, right? And yeah. and at the same time, it's it's something often that people need the most help with, mm-hmm. or can you could use the most instruction with, or just could use. You know, some some group thought or something like that or input from other people who've gone through some of those types of things before. And some uh, some of the interesting things in, in researching the show for this morning, should you keep your money separate, share everything in a joint account? Uh, what do you think, Ryder? This is interesting. Divide the money of my, uh, and debt into mine, yours, and ours. Ooh. Wow, divide the debt. Like, uh, we're going to put a third of the mortgage into our debt. <laughs> so what? what? Right. And and then another one that I, I didn't really, really want to get into today, but we can, is um, one person in the relationship controlling all of the money and mm. basically doling out an allowance to mm-hmm. the other person. And mm-hmm. I understand I may have been part of a situation well. like that before, and it is usually not enacted until it's in everyone's best interest. But eggs. Someone did. Someone have to put you on a leash. Is that it they was, had to hold it you was, back? Were you spending too much? It was suggested, <laughs> but that's on the back end of a not communicating well on the front end part. So if there's better, at least in my situation, it was mm. if there was better communication on the front end, there wouldn't have had to be a situation like that on the on the back end of it. So. I don't know. The number to call this morning, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. And then, of course, also, what at what point in your relationship should you approach this conversation with your significant other? That's always an interesting one, too. For some people, is it right up front? Let's get this out of the way now. Or do well, you have to pass a certain... Th- I think, I mean, I would have said uh, when you're approaching marriage, but these days it's if you're <laughs> cohabiting, 
Right. Um, that's, that's where it's going to really start to rub a little bit with uh, all of those issues as far as, as who is taking care of bills. So um, however you're getting to that point, if you're going to be living in the same house, before you get there, you should have a conversation about how the money will be uh, used, the income. You need to lay all your cards on the table. Well, well uh, he's, he's, he's stumbling over there. You know? Oh, man. No, what I, what I said, we did a similar topic on Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. and I said that uh, you should you should bring it out on the first date. Uh, and you can make it a lot more romantic than you might think talking about money is. No, because I'm going to disagree on the first day. Wait a minute. No. I need a follow-up on this. When you're... This needs to be a series. Because when you're talking about... when when. We as investment as financial advisors talk about people's money. We're talking about what they want to do with their money, what they want their money to do for them, and how they see that over their life. Like, you know, what are your long-term goals? Are you saving up for a house? Are you saving up for children's college? Are you saving up for retirement? And so when you're talking about long-term goals and, like, you're talking about – you know, if 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 you're dating somebody, and, and no, it's a little exaggeration to say the first date, but it can be a really <laughs> romantic thing to talk about. Like, so what are your sort of long term right. goals? Like, you you know, uh, you clearly love spending all your money right when you get it. Like, this is like, do you have no hopes and dreams, um, or well, me, are, or are they all hopes and dreams? <laughs> let or, me say this: know, the first like, date, like that. the first date is a whole lot different now, or it can I mean, be. It, it'd be a bit, it'd be a bit strong than maybe. thirty years ago because now the <laughs> the first quote unquote date can come after you know months and months of correspondence online talks, or through social yeah. media and tons of different stuff like that. So your friends the first. Date can be a, a much more substantial step than it had been yeah. in the past. Oh so. gosh, I'm so glad I'm not dating right now, Ken. But, oh, but it's I too just, much pressure. <laughs> I, I I just think you can. You know, people are like, oh, you know, we're awkward talking about money. No, you can make it a very interesting kind of romantic thing to talk about. Um, you don't have to put dollars and cents to it, but yes, you have to talk you. about what what you know you know. Hey, you know, I work hard, and you know, I save my money and I try to enjoy a little bit because this, this, and this is important to me. Well, you know, I think it's the difference know, between... Is, how are you treating your money and how does that relate to yeah, your goals It's the difference between, oh man, I have to save this much amount of money and right. oh man, I get... Yeah. When we when we save this much money, we can, you know, it's the difference between presenting it negatively yeah. or positively. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we I mean, we ask all of our clients about their goals and values. And if you're not asking who you're dating about their goals and values, like what? <laughs> you're not doing it right. But the point when you get into that discussion with them, that is that is the well, interesting. I, I'm talking about the particulars when you really are saying, OK, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you here's can, my credit report. I, here are my account statements. Oh, that needs to yeah. be when you're really yeah, serious. I need to know what your credit number is, darling. You can. Yes. <laughs> Well, mm. you can put that off for a couple that weeks. Is, that is a good time. A couple, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> a couple weeks. Like, wait, 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 like three, three, three weeks. All right, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email us money at mpbonline.org. So first, uh, before we dig any deeper to this, uh, the tradition of the show, the first segment, how was your weekend? And How'd you missed everything it. Go? You missed it. Uh, you yeah, missed yeah. it. I'm, I'm coming back now. I'm coming well, back and getting well, into it. Well, so, I mean, so mine is relevant. Um, I I was I was at a wedding for my cousin uh, this weekend. Uh, she got married and she'll be living in Jacksonville. were you at a wedding a couple, a couple weeks ago? He goes to Probably. weddings all the time. You get in the fever? 
Are you going to have that discussion with someone soon? Uh, This is the sure way to (laughs) shut him up. Trust me. I just found this out. I don't don't want to do that. Forget I said anything. Is is that the meeting source? Is that that everything? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you had a wedding. That's Yeah, it was lovely. It was lovely. Yeah. That's another thing where you so, can either I mean, approach that negatively of, or positively. Speaking of couples and money, like there, there we go. But mm-hmm. um, and and they're both they'll both be working, which leads to what you were talking about uh, on the ride over about the um about the jobs. Ah, the jobs numbers. Yeah, had Yeah, the first Friday of every new month, we get jobs numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's economic data that we can look at from the previous month to give us some guidance. And along with the data from the previous month, we often have revisions because economic data is often revised. No surprise there. It's just that they're on a schedule. Um, They have to submit uh, information by a certain date, and then they go back when they have better information. So um, our jobs added, which is the number that investors pay more attention to versus the unemployment rate, those are two different calculations, two different ways of arriving at that, showed us that we created 138,000 jobs uh, last month. Not great. Mm -hmm. Um, Then they revise down the previous two months. That's a little concerning. And so we have a three-month average of only 121,000. We need to be at 150,000 or more just to provide jobs for new people who are coming into the workforce. So, you know, we're watching it. It's certainly much lower than it was last year. A little bit of a concern there. But we have an unemployment rate that's very low. We're at what we call full Um, employment, meaning pretty much everybody who wants to work is working. So we think maybe that we'll start to see some job uh, some pressures on the income side that we'll see income starting to rise. Okay, so, so jump in, well, Ryder, with no, the I mean, other side of that. That's what I was going to say. I mean, we have a very low <laughs> unemployment rate, so everyone, you know, if you look around, like, people have jobs. The people who don't have jobs are retired, disabled, um, having a baby, um, or taking care of their home. Or just choosing uh, not or, to or be. Cho- or choosing not to be in the workforce for some reason like that. Um so, so the lower numbers, I mean, while they are, like you said, a little lower than we'd really want, even, even when we are, uh, you know, at very low unemployment, a lot of people already have jobs right now. So, you know, I think it's but okay. But they don't to- have jobs producing the kind of incomes that they need. That's the issue, too. So. Well, well, as <laughs> our engineer Java said, yes. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah. He said, yes, well, right there. <laughs> as, as, you get, as you get more and more, as the labor market gets tighter and tighter, you know, you will have to, to, to entice people right. back into the workforce. You know, people who are like, you know what, I, you know, my husband or wife is earning enough money right now. I'm going to take a little break from the workforce. Well, if somebody offers you a little more money, you might not take that break. You might take that paycheck. But when that comes into play, then um, one of our biggest costs for any business is labor. So that means inflation. So it's that two-edged sword. And um, when we start to see inflation picking up, then, uh, yeah, we might be making more, but we're not being able to right. buy anymore. Everything starts costing more. Yeah. I feel like that you two could go 
tit for tat with this topic probably the whole hour. I could just get up and leave. Probably well, could. Just, we can like explain of, how those numbers nice are derived. Yeah. I mean, let's get started on that. I mean, so we have seen a lot of inflation <laughs> lately, especially in housing prices. I mean, that's right? been going on, yeah. you know, basically since since the financial crisis is inflation I mean, did you know prices. that in the Jackson area over a year's time that the median home price has increased by over 8%? That's amazing. Wow. Now, we, we were coming off of some lows along mm-hmm. the way, but we have a pretty healthy market, and we've swapped over from... And then what kind of jump? Like, what's the time frame of that jump? Like, 8% oh, since? That's, that's a Is year. That a year? That's yeah. a year. Wow, that's really... That's a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, but we, we were having this buyer's market where we had so many houses out there available, and you could have your pick, and now it's tipping over to the seller's market. You're seeing... Um, Shorter days on the market and prices going up. And uh, so that's a good sign. All right. Before we take our first break, we're going to talk to our first caller. Margaret is in Starkville, and I love it. Conversation on the first date. Margaret, thanks so much for calling. How are you? I'm doing well. Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I think I probably am uh, talking about the segment before that you guys were talking about with the money Mm -hmm. and talking about. Um, one of the gentlemen said that you can make it a more romantic conversation on the first date. Absolutely. And I, actually, I really agree with that. Um, my husband and I got married when we were older, 39 and 36, and we started talking about money very early on in our relationship, and now we do a budget pretty much every week together, and it really, for what I understand about relationships, has cut down on the amount of fights we don't ever fight about money because we both know what's going on in our account uh, or accounts and Uh-oh. i think it's <laughs> <laughs> no you're good so anyway yeah i just wanted to to say yep i agree talking about it does not have to be awkward now was there discussion about whether there would be accounts or an account um, yes, actually, we both had separate accounts, and since we were older, we wanted to maintain an account just because it made us feel better, but we both know exactly what's going in and out of those accounts, and then we have personal money that is part of our budget, and we each get that amount and cash, and you can do whatever you want to do with that money, and you don't have to tell the other person because it's already in the nice. budget, and then everybody's excited for each other because you already know that that money is accounted for. Excellent. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for starting us off with that today. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Margaret in Starkville, a bunch of happy Starkvillians today. They won their big baseball tournament last night. They get to go to the next round. 1-877-672-7464. 1-877-672-7464. That's another thought right there. Maybe if you get old, uh, if you get married at a little bit older age, you're already kind of established, and so you kind of have to, uh, it might be worth it to maintain your accounts for at least a little while and, or uh, maybe uh, going uh, moving forward. All right, this morning we're talking about jobs, job data, and we're also talking about relationships and money. It's direly important for the success of a long-term relationship. When do you have that discussion with your significant other? And how do you handle your accounts once you enter into that relationship? one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 7464 Email us, money at mpbonline.org. Money Talks returns on Think Radio after this break.
you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. I'm Robin Young. A new book collects conversations with guitar greats from Nick Lucas in the 1920s to Eddie Van Halen decades later. Next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White in for Kevin Farrell, along with Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives. I got that right, right? You did. Okay. I got that wrong the first time, and Kevin, he messed me up. Uh, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. The number to call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can also email us money at mpbonline.org. Before we move forward, any more jobs stuff? Do you want to pick that back up? Do you want to get <laughs> no. back into it? No, actually, I was going to comment on that last caller. Okay. What, yeah. You know, I think what's important, kind of regardless of what way you end up handling your money as a couple, is obviously communication. And I mean, you could say that about probably any relation, probably any relationship topic, any relationship <laughs> topic is communication. And, um, she and her husband, they talk about, they make a budget every week, she said. That's, you know, maybe that's, you know, the right amount for them, but don't feel the pressure. Don't feel like you need to do that much every week. You know, maybe it's just look at things every month. Be like, hey, you know, were we okay this month? Did we spend too much this month? Like, you know, things like that. Um, but communi- regular communication about that is very important. And just for any of our clients, when we're talking about, you know, just being aware of your financial situation is very important. And so obviously, if you're doing it in a couple, to be aware of your financial situation, you're going to have to talk about it with somebody else. And that's what surprises me is so many people just don't even just know don't. Yeah. Um, when they come in and we ask, well, um, they, they might be able to tell me what their mortgage payment is. But when I ask, well, what's the interest rate? They are just clueless. Uh, you have credit card debt. What are you paying as far as interest charges? I, I don't know. I, I, that just is amazing to me because interest is the price of money. I would never walk into a store and pick up an item, a pair of shoes, for instance. That's my my downfall right there. <laughs> without looking at the price tag, you know, Absolutely. I would not take it up there and buy something without knowing how much it cost. So every time you take out a loan, whether it's a mortgage student loan, car loan, credit card, Mm -hmm. you are buying money. You need to know what you're paying for that. It needs to be right up front. Absolutely. And also, I mean, just on the communication front, you know, if, if, if you have, if you're like, oh, you know, it's okay. Like my husband handles this. It's fine. You know, we're good. It's like, what if, you know, what if he's out of town for two weeks? Like what if something what happens? If what, what if he dies? What if he dies? that's what we run into a lot. You know, yeah. um, or just in some way he's not able to take care of something. Yeah. Um, you need to be aware, you know, 
obviously understand all the basic con- concepts so you can take over doing things yourself, but also just know where you're going to be at so nothing will be a surprise. That's important, too, because... You know some of the, the options that we have here. The, the you know the the joint accounts, and then there's the mm. the mine yours and ours, which mm. is kind of a little bit of everything. And then there's the completely separate, and that's an important thing. And maybe something well, I guess you you just said, Nancy, that people don't think about necessarily. No. You don't take that into account until mm. it's too late, unfortunately. But if you have a bunch of separate accounts, you have to be completely open, and you have to work at communicating Mm -hmm. and trust is a big part of the thing also of course i mean that's more than just the money when it comes to relationships but you know in in case something happens to one or the other people then that other person has to pick up that slack and understand what they're walking into the other thing that we're running into is now that we're going to digital statements uh, it's not like something happens to somebody and you wait for a statement to yeah. show up in your mailbox and now you yeah. know there's an account. Mm. If you don't have that person's login, you don't even know that there's an account floating around out there. Yeah. And that's why it's important wow. to uh, make sure everybody understands and knows and um, we are not immortal mm-hmm. and just be realistic about it. Do you recommend... Uh, you're closer to my age, so I think the the automatic drafting stuff. Wait a is, minute! Is, wait a minute! Are, are you saying awesome. I'm a bit older? No, I'm saying you were. You're just a different age. You you were. <laughs> I admit it. You you were an adult with responsibility before there was automatic drafting, and I was too. I, maybe kind of quote unquote, but uh, adult. But what what do you say about that? Is is it a good idea? Do you? Um, do you endorse the jumping all in with the automatic drafts or is there something about doing a bunch of that stuff or all of it manually that kind of keeps forces well, you I, to stay in check I, with everything? I think it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think using automatic drafts to save is a great way to do it because you set it, you forget you it. You don't have to make the decision and it, to do and it. And it's working in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when you have an automatic draft, for instance, on your electric bill, then you're not paying attention to um, the swings in that bill. And so you're not yeah. uh, conscious of, I need to you know, adjust the thermostat or turn the lights off or pay attention to try to keep that bill low. Or, you know, these days, the cable bill until it finally slaps you in the face. Of, oh, my gosh, this is how much we're paying for this. Right. She looked at me like I'm paying a cable bill. No, I know you're not paying a cable bill. Uh, that's another story, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, but all of those things that... You can forget about a gym membership that you never use oh, because yeah. it's on an automatic happen. draft. Um, so that means just being attentive to all of those things. Yeah, and so if you do have an automatic draft, you know, looking over your bank statement every month, you know, one you want to look for is there anything unusual? Like I wasn't at an ATM in Tucson last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, or you know, just be like, you know, it has been six months. I, and I'm speaking from personal experience. It has been six months since I went to that gym. Why are they still charging me? You know, X dollars a month. You know. Yeah. I need to reevaluate. Absolutely, that. especially if you're not at one of the the more those national chain gyms general, general and you're actually ones. at a you're at a uh, not to disparage those gyms but if you're at a, a really nice one that has one that charges more <laughs> yeah 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 more things to take advantage of and, and costs more then that's that's really important okay so um should you manage your money jointly or separately this is from money advice service uh a website in uh the uk 
Uh, there's no one size oh, fits all approach. That yes, that, that is it. the correct yeah. answer. That is the correct what, answer. What, the the best the best method is whatever works for you. There you go. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. nice. Should be a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, how you manage your finances will depend on your attitudes toward money. Uh, Ryder obviously sees money as in a romantic way, and no, so he that's does very not. Good. trust me. No, he does not. <laughs> no, he no, doesn't? no, okay. no. Okay. Cold and unemotional. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Look, the, very, the, the, the goals very and values. cheap. What? Excuse wow. me. Excuse me. Mercy. All right. Uh, let me radio. continue on right here. Uh, you might find some areas where you're happy to share the responsibility, but others where you need to reach a compromise before you get started trying to understand each other's approach and attitude to money. This will help you find areas where you agree and disagree so you can spot potential problems before they happen. Um, you touched on this a little bit earlier, Nancy. Be wary of your credit histories. Yes. And that's, we kind of went to the first break, and you broke that one out, and I had to think on that for a minute, is when do you, um, outside of, oh, how's, what's your what's your credit well, like? If, oh, if, it's pretty good. If you're going to start I need to buying, see a sheet. <laughs> exactly, especially if you're going to start buying things together and opening accounts together, you know, you can suddenly find yourself that we can't qualify for a mortgage uh, in joint ownership because your credit history and your score is so bad. Yeah. Um, so you need to know that up front. And then if you have a partner that does have a problem with a score, and it could be something that happened in the past, then sit down and look at how do we heal this score. Mm-hmm. It just, sometimes just takes some time for those things to roll off, to address some old debt, and to get it all cleaned up so you can be ready. Uh, it says here, uh, living with or being married to someone with a bad credit score won't affect yours. However, as soon as you uh, open a joint bank account or take out a mortgage together, your credit rating could be affected. Mm-hmm. Um for example, you'll be co-scored if you apply for credit. It's a good idea for both of you to check your credit rating before combining your finances. And and a big thing is going to be, you know, just the, you know, kind of credit worthiness of that account. You know, if y'all both sign up to a credit card and you're like, okay, you know, are you going to pay it? It's like, yeah, sure. Okay, make sure they're paying it. Um, because that's when it's really going to affect you. Because even yeah. if even if you take out a joint credit card and you say, okay, this one is yours, you know, the credit company doesn't know that. And if there's a missed payment, they're like, both of y'all missed a payment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't he that missed a payment. It wasn't she that missed a payment. Right. It was both of y'all that missed that exactly. payment. Exactly. And that and a missed payment is a missed payment. And that's about the worst thing you can do. I don't think I've mentioned this today, and we're 33 minutes in, so I'm late. But we're also, as always, taking all of your financial questions, not just on topic today. one eight seven seven mpb ring is the number. Have we actually been on topic? A little, yeah. well, a little yeah, bit. Sort of. We, we keep coming back to the topic. one eight seven seven mpb ring is the number. one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email us money at mpbonline.org. Steve is in Gulfport and has a, a great question here. How to invest a lump sum of money. Steve, welcome in. How's it going? Pretty good. Thank you. Uh, what's what's your situation for us this morning? Okay. I got a 22-year-old daughter. She's going to college and uh, she's, she's, getting, she's going to be receiving $2,000 a month for like 11 years, but she's also receiving $300,000 lump sum so the question is, what do I do with the 300000 How do I put it into an investment? 
Uh, well, this goes back to talking about goals and values and needs. Um, so that kind of sounds like that might be a settlement payout. Um, if yes. does she is she going to be needing any of that three hundred thousand dollars? You know, over the short term or immediately? No, that's why she's going to be getting the two thousand. Besides the three hundred thousand. Okay. Two thousand every month. So that two thousand a month, she can use. She can spend his income. She can do what she likes with it. Um, but that three hundred thousand, you know, if that's not money that she needs, um, and she, I would, generally speaking, money that you don't need for a long time, you can set away in an investment account. Um, Invested appropriately, I would highly recommend you get her to a fee-only financial advisor who is going to not only show her how to invest that money appropriately and just set it aside for the for you know whatever kind of long term she may have, um, but also also will just help her kind of understand you know the responsibility of having that much money, especially at a young age, and how to deal with that. Um, one thing I would caution a lot of people want to do when they get kind of a lump sum is they want to. They want to buy something using all that cash. They want to say, "Okay, great. Well, I'll use this three hundred thousand to buy a house." And not only do they say, "Okay, I'm going to buy a three hundred thousand dollar house," um, you know, instead of maybe I only needed a hundred twenty thousand dollar house. So don't use that money to live a more extravagant lifestyle than you can actually afford otherwise. Um, but also, you know, things like. A mortgage debt is actually very good debt. And even if you had $3,000 in cash and were only buying a $200,000 house, just put the normal down payment down. Don't don't get in a rush to spend that all because because there is there's huge value to just having that cash. You know, it's there's you know, if you took out if you had a three thousand three hundred thousand dollar mortgage and three hundred thousand dollars in cash, you took all that cash and paid off that mortgage, you would have nothing. But right. if you if you ran into some trouble later on down the road and you just kept and you still had that debt, but you had that cash, then you would still have that cash. You would still have that money available to do things, you know, pay other bills, go on vacation, you know, uh, use that money to move uh, instead of putting that down in an illiquid asset. But um, definitely uh, rush her to well, a fee only financial advisor who can who can help her understand um, what I was thinking is. Um Go through Charles Schwab and get a Vanguard fund. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Also, is do I just put three hundred fifty all in one lump sum into the Vanguard, or do I split it like fifty thousand every month or? Six months. Uh, there's a couple of philosophies on that. Um, a lot of people, especially with the market at highs right now, um, you know, putting it in over a little bit of time can kind of buy you a little bit of assurance, especially. Um, but w- w- one of the things, you know, I-, I still say, you know, speak with a financial advisor um, or two, you know, just because, sure, you can throw that into a Vanguard account. You can throw that into a Vanguard fund. I see a lot of people do that. And sometimes they even pick the right fund. Sometimes they pick the best fund. Um, but it, just helping her understand what all that means and, you know, it, you know, I'm not trying to throw any shade at you. You may be the best um, best financial advisor she could have gotten, <laughs> but it is very helpful, especially for a 22-year-old, to hear it from somebody else and to have somebody else other than their parents that they can call and be like, this is my expert. This is who I know, like, who is going to help me understand this and who is going to help me um, be disciplined with this. Because that 300000 she has right now, that that's really fantastic. But um, it does not take 
many mistakes, and it does not take big mistakes for that to go away. Well, I really like writer's advice of, you know, this is a young person um, with a large amount of money dumped in her lap. And so to have that guidance from an objective source to help her, and not only that, as far as investing, to look at how to keep those taxes low as she ages, using retirement accounts along the way, giving her guidance as she steps into the workforce, um, so that when she gets to the point where she really needs to and wants to depend on that money, it's there for her. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Hey, Steve, thank you for your call from Gulfport this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 You can always email us money at mpbonline.org. Next up is Carol, just down the beach in Ocean Springs, and has a great question uh, to throw at us here today relative to our topic. Carol, good morning. Good morning. What's going on in your world today? So my boyfriend and I are getting serious. And I was asking him, you know, about his credit. And he says his credit is very bad. And I was like, okay, why? And he said he had some outstanding debt, old debt. And I was like, well, obviously, you know, let's just start paying them off. But he claims that if he doesn't pay them for seven years, they will roll, like, they'll go away. They'll disappear from his credit report. and His credit score will go back up. Um, Is that... Okay, so we actually dealt with something like this uh, the other day. Someone had said, oh, you know, we had an old car repossessed, and it was it was like six years and nine months ago. And I was like, great, that is going to roll off your credit report in three months. And then they said they still haven't. They they still haven't squared that away. They the, the the they still actually owe some money on it. So no. You have to actually square it away. You have to pay the debt, and you can rene- he can renegotiate it. But it's go- it's seven years from when he pays it off, not from when he takes it out. So okay, yeah, okay. Here, yeah. Here's the other thing. All yeah. right, yo, yo, yeah. if if Slow somebody down. tells you, if somebody tells you, I have terrible credit and I have some old debts, it's probably even worse than that. So, yeah. like, you, like, like we just found out, yes. it's worse than that. Um, because we tend to, you know, soft pedal it a little bit. You need to exchange actual credit reports and credit scores. Here in the state of Mississippi, our attorney general got us uh, some special assistance in credit reports and credit scores. I actually signed up. And got a free credit score. Um, so there are ways for you to get that information and look at it in black and white and start to go through line by line and figure out what the problems are and how to clean it up. And okay. if he doesn't believe these two folks you just heard on the radio, um, you may find a credit counselor near you who can who can actually give him some more information and help him develop maybe a plan for getting out of that. Um, but it's not it's not seven years from when you took out that debt. It's not seven years from when you stopped paying that debt. It's seven years from when you squared it away. Got it. I will say this, though. When when you do, when you are squared up, there are times when you can uh, contact uh, the, the, the people that you've been in debt to or the collectors or whatever mm-hmm. and and, you know, enter into a dialogue with them about having them take it off of your oh. credit. It doesn't always work. And some there there are some collection agencies that are just they're rough 
with you about that stuff. But there, there is because uh, I know when he says it's from it's seven years from when you are squared away mm-hmm. and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, we got to finish this. And then it's seven more years before it comes off his credit report. There there is a way to to circumvent that a little bit. There's a possibility anyway, I would say. And and, and, and like you were saying, this is an older debt. Uh, you could he can probably negotiate that down after really after about six months, people start thinking, I'm not going to get any of this money back. Um, think about it. If you loaned somebody $10 yesterday, after about two or three weeks, you'd be like, man, look, if you could just give me $5, we'd be good. Um, but so, let's don't make this a practice, right? So, no, no, don't make it a practice. But if this has been, if this is a very old debt, if this is, you know, an old credit card, maybe he's even closed the account, but he still owes the money. Um, you, he can negotiate a much much lower rate. When things go to collections, uh, the companies are selling these things for pennies on the dollar to collections agencies. And col- so, you know, if he owed a hundred dollars and the collections agency bought it, bought that debt for ten dollars, they are going to be overjoyed to get eleven dollars. Uh, so, so you could very easily negotiate these, and then again, um, like Jay said, you can you can ask, you know, hey, you know, now that we've squared this away, can you also, you know, maybe help me remove this from my credit score, uh, credit report, et cetera. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, Absolutely. Carol, thanks for the call from Ocean Springs this morning. And there's plenty of resources uh, on the Internet for the, the best way to try to approach um, collectors to ask them. And it's all about your attitude. It's like, look, this has been, you're going to do this. And yeah. No, they, they don't take kindly to that at least i've heard anyway one eight seven seven mpb ring is the number one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four that's uh, the number to call and you can email us money at mpbonline.org our topic today is relationships and money uh, when do you have when do you approach your significant other about the topic of uh, merging your finances should you keep your money separate uh, share everything in a joint account divide the money and debt into mine yours and ours what's your story 877 MPB ring that's 8776727464 this is money talks on MPB we'll be back and music is mpb music radio from classical to bluegrass and everything in between mpb music radio has a sound for every ear for information on where to find mpb music radio visit mpbonline.org you already know mpb think radio is a direct result of donations from listeners like you but instead of counting the size of your donation in dollars how about axles trucks to motorcycles, cars, even 18-wheelers. Your donated vehicle of any size helps fund the programs here on Think Radio. For more information on how to donate your vehicle, visit mpbonline.org support. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. 
This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jay White and for Kevin Farrell today, about to go back to the phones in just a minute. But first, we have uh, an email. The number to call, by the way, is 877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can email us. Uh, also, by the way, money at mpbonline.org. Uh, can you explain the regulation from the Labor Department that is about to take effect requiring current retirement account holders to implement automatic drafts that can't be altered, only stopped, or open a new account? I heard that's. Uh, I heard that current accounts are grandfathered. I'm confused about all of this. My fan- financial advisor is commission-based. Interesting mm. question right there. That one's a very particular one on this, these new laws coming out. That's very specific. Um, so it may not actually be, from the sound of it, your advisor is commission-based. So when you t- when an advisor is paid by, via commissions, they're actually being paid by a third party. They're not being paid by you. So that's kind of, you know, if their loyalty is to the money, that's where it lies. Um, a fee-only advisor is paid a fee by their clients. So I'm assuming this is the fiduciary rule and the so, difference there. So the issue is probably not, because that's not something I've heard specifically no. of, but what it sounds like is that your your advisor, their company has just established some protocol um, around those advi- accounts because they are now they're now required to be a fiduciary or have some sort of um, you know exemption you know signed well, by let's, you. Let's stop and explain the difference okay. between a fiduciary and the other standard, which is suitability. Suitability. So a fiduciary, which is what Ryder and I are both fiduciaries, we always have been, means that you are required to act in the best interest of your client. Mm-hmm. At all times and not put your interest and your revenue and your commissions or fees or whatever above the client's interest. Slightly stronger than that. It's not not put your best interest above them. It's put their best interest above your own. All the time. So all the time. You're always first. But um, commission based, they've been operating under something called the suitability standard, which means um, I can put my interest above yours as long as I can show that I'm still putting you in something that would. You it's know, good for you. It's, it's suitable. Good for you. Yeah, it, you know, it's not bad. I, I can justify it that way. And so that's really a strange thing because most people did not realize that there was a difference. And yeah. I think the biggest thing that has happened with this argument about this rule is that we're getting phone calls, people asking us, are you a fiduciary? People now understand what mm-hmm. a fiduciary is and they're demanding it. The new law does not require commission base to operate as fiduciaries on everything except they do have to do it on retirement Definitely accounts. On retirement. Mm-hmm. And so that we we got that one that's step. Just a, that's just a quirk of the way the regulation could play out because the Department of Labor has some purview over retirement accounts, but not normal accounts because those not, aren't, you know, right. workplace-based. And, of course, this could depend on what company she's working through. Some companies have gone through with uh, pushing fiduciary standards for everybody. Uh, some are behind on doing that. And it could be that this particular person may, you know, may not be quite at that point. Or, as Ryder said, they are, uh, the company itself yeah. is instituting some guidelines to get them to that point. It, it, it sounds like what they're doing is... It, it would appear to be a conflict or it would appear to be kind of a bad thing um, if 
if you set up an automatic draft and then your advisor was able to change that, they were able to maybe add more money to the account. Um, and since they're not a fiduciary, maybe they're just taking a few extra steps, taking a little bit of extra precaution. Which would be in violation um, of the new law. Right, because because you know it would certainly if it's not in violation it would certainly look bad um so it's probably not not that you'll never be able to add money again but if you want to say you know say you're adding a hundred dollars a month and you wanted to change that to two hundred dollars a month you would probably maybe you'd have to fill out a form maybe you'd have to sign something um but it sounds like that's just a regulation uh a a policy of the company where she's working at so if you you know just discuss hey you know What's going to happen if I want to change that? Um, what's going to happen if I just want to add a little extra money or something? So kind of figure that out. I, I will say that we are uh, proponents of every advisor, whether it's retirement or regular accounts, should be operating under the fiduciary standard. That's just Absolutely. a good thing for clients. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That seems like some common sense right there. Uh, up next on the phones is uh, Johnny from Summerall. Johnny, thanks for calling. Yes. If someone takes a judgment against you and records it at the courthouse, how long does it stay on your record, or does it ever expire? I am not sure about that one. Um, we're going to have to do some checking on that one to see. Because um, you're talking about a, a legal judgment, yeah, and, not and, a not a credit reporting thing. And, and it is a question. Uh, yeah, legal. Yeah, that, I mean that. Uh, and and is the judgment satisfied? That would be something else too. If you've if you know if there's some yeah. payment required and you cleared it out, as we no, were talking, if it's not satisfied. If it's not satisfied, wow. Because I'm I'm trying to think who's going to be reporting that. You know, is, is does in legal terms come on next? I mean, if you want to. Hang on, and really, call, that call, would be a call, great question. Call, call them because, back in half an hour. Uh. Um, that credit <laughs> report is determined by um, reports into the credit reporting agency, and so um, when it, bills aren't being paid, uh, something has happened, you have a debt, then that's being reported to them. So that's why I'm wondering who would be reporting that. Is there a process? And I yeah. don't know that one. Okay, thank you. All right, yeah. In legal terms, is the show that comes on next, and I would, uh, I would, I would throw that that's, question. I don't know if that's, that's right up their alley, close to the topic that they'll have today. But they do have uh, some legal people on there that might at least be able to point you. We should just in the write, right direction. Write that one down so they'll have that one to kick them off. Yeah, and that's you know. That, Hopefully, they'll be able to help you, Johnny. That is interesting because I mean, yeah, that's I, I've, I've heard about situations like that before, and I don't know maybe if it's like a, a county or a municipality. Uh, you know, has an unpaid ticket from somebody, and then there's a judgment against them, and then it mm-hmm. goes it goes on their credit report, and that's, I mean, that would be different than a bankruptcy or you know something or a repossession or well, something a, like or a again, collection. Again, um, many people are surprised at what does show up on their credit report, and it's just a matter of who is reporting that information so the agency can calculate that. All right, uh, up next is uh, Rick in Madison. Rick, thanks for calling. Yes, good morning. Um, I moved here from uh, Texas uh, with my 95-year-old mother, who I'm her guardian. She has dementia. In Texas, they have uh, checking accounts that uh, carry a POD designation, pay on death. And my question is, uh, in Mississippi, if I open up her checking account here, does it have pay on death, which would then trump the will, as I understand it, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when she passes away? Uh, she has about ninety thousand dollars in there. I'm, as I said, I take care of everything for her. But 
want to know, is that money immediately accessible? I'm her only uh, uh, child. Yes. 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 The case is what you would do now um, is if you open an account, and the problem is if she has dementia, that's where we get into some a real fuzzy area because she has to be able to sign paperwork giving you the authority to have the account, listing you as the beneficiary. If you do have a POD, and those are allowed here in Mississippi, we call them POD or TOD, pass on death or transfer on death, then all you have to do when that person dies is to show up at the institution with a death certificate, and they will go to those beneficiaries' uh, listings and then disperse everything. I have her durable power of attorney and a letter of incapacitation uh, from when we lived in Texas. Uh, and uh, would this also apply, apply to her brokerage account here? Yes. If I move it here, there's about $25,000 in IBM stock. Yes. Um, one thing I would do is make sure you have those statements and any other relevant documents from the institution showing that it's POD or TOD um, just because they may be a little, you know, it's it's like, okay, you have her power of attorney and you're setting up um, just as long as you show that's how it's been set up. I'm just moving it here for convenience. And you have all those documents of power of attorney and uh, incapacitation. So those are legal registrations in Mississippi. You shouldn't have too much trouble. You'll find someone who can work with Except you Except we are running into some issues with um, our local bank's um, acknowledging those powers of attorney. Brokerage houses are still mm-hmm. fine with that, and I think the banks have been burned a few times with um, lawsuits because of this. So some of them are kind of cautious. When you show yeah. up with a power of attorney, they say we won't honor it. So you might have to shop around. Um, off, it, it off does, you're saying it does trump the will, though. Yes, it does. It, yes, that, It does not go through the will. Any POD account... That ha- any account that has a beneficiary, whether it's a POD or a retirement account, does not go through the will. Yeah, that 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 registration is exactly like you you wanted. Um, I would just just to kind of reemphasize what Nancy was saying. A lot of banks are they don't take a general power of attorney or whatever. They will. Uh, they will require their own form, no matter how good your power of attorney is. Um, but you should be able to kind of shop around. So don't just get discouraged if the first one or two banks um, don't accept it. All right. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, going off a little bit of what you said and what you just mentioned about uh, those accounts and shopping around banks, shopping for financial advisors. When it occurred to me when um, the, the the guy called earlier with the lump sum that his daughter had, mm-hmm. and uh, you were giving him advice. Um, I hear the doctors well, on, on Southern Remedy all the time say, you know, go, you know, if if you don't like what your general practitioner is telling you, find another one, right? Fire them because they work for you. I mean, and I know this is the business that you are in, but what would your advice be to people who are seeking, at least on the ground floor, trying to get in for somebody? I think the first question you need to ask when you're interviewing a financial advisor is, how do you get paid? Absolutely. And that then gives you some idea. And and I want to say, I know some really great commission people out there, but you just need to understand on the front end the difference in commission versus straight fees. Um, We get most of our business from referrals. So, you know, we can uh, we work with a family member who turns around and tells another family yeah. member or a neighbor or they come from CPAs. Talk to your yeah. CPA um, and then make sure you fit 
um, as far as personality. Yeah. Sit down and talk to that person because you're going to be sharing a lot of personal information. You, yeah, you have to trust that person. And so just keep moving until you find someone you're comfortable with and you trust and who's going to answer the phone when you call them. Very good. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Java Chapman was our engineer today. Kevin Bear will be back with you next Tuesday morning at 9 for another episode of Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening.